Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So, you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall, rock-climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So, whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. All right, time for Fan Mail Friday, where we will be answering your questions and dropping some knowledge and feedback to help you kick the weekend off right. If you're new to the Art of Charm podcast, this isn't the best place to start. Most of our content is much more in-depth and longer format. So check out the best of at theartofcharm.com slash best or the fundamentals toolbox at theartofcharm.com slash toolbox. That's where we've got the fundamentals of body language, nonverbal communication, attraction, negotiation, networking, and everything else that we teach here at The Art of Charm. All right, let's cut to it. First things first, Mark says, too often when hitting on women, I get that feeling of disrespect toward them, knowing my goal is to sleep with them. Well, calling it hitting on women might be part of that, but I'll consider the potential for a relationship, but generally afterward. I have a huge respect for women, and when that feeling kicks in, it screws up my mood and my attitude. I know I shouldn't have that feeling because although they would never say it out loud, women are very much looking for partners with no strings attached, just like men. I found the best thing to do is remind myself that women love sex as much as I do, but I was wondering how other guys feel about this and how they deal with it. It sounds like you say you've got a lot of respect for women. I totally believe that you do, but I feel like your actions, Mark, might not really be reflecting that, and maybe you get negative reactions, and maybe that's why you start to feel guilty. Now, I'm reading into this a little bit, so I'm not totally sure here, but it also sounds like there's a lot of baggage attached from maybe past relationships or when you were younger that you might be better off dealing with in actual therapy. I mean, th the thing is, I'm not saying you're screwed up or whatever. I'm saying that a lot of us guys are programmed this way because we hear only about how, oh, this guy's bugging me, he's being creepy, but we never hear about how much of a of a really nice phenomenon it is when a great guy comes and talks to you. That's That makes someone's day, it makes their week. That's how a lot of relationships start. It's creepy when she's not interested in you. So as long as you're being really respectful with it and you're taking no for an answer when she isn't interested and you're good at reading nonverbal communication and things like that when she's not interested, there's nothing really wrong with this. If you're still getting a negative reaction to in yourself and you know that you're reading the situations correctly, then it might be time to talk to somebody about this. I feel like the times when I used to get these negative reactions in, in my gut was when I knew I was full of crap and I would just tell a girl anything because I wanted to sleep with them, AKA high school slash college. As an adult, as a grown ass man, you, you know, the, the cards are already kind of on the table. And as long as you're being respectful of people in general and you're not lying to them, this shouldn't be an issue. And if you still find it that it is, you might want to talk to somebody who's a professional. I don't know, Jason, am I on the right page here? Yeah, you're totally on the right page, but it sounds like he's got this internal, like, conflicted feeling. Like, every time he talks to a woman, he should be looking for a relationship and not just a hookup. And, you know, hookups are fine as long as you're upfront that you're looking for a hookup. 
you know, not every relationship is going to be long-term or something meaningful. Sometimes everybody just wants to go out and hook up. Otherwise we wouldn't have Tinder, you know, just be, I think just be honest about it and don't have this guilt that like this internal guilt, like, I think somebody once told him like every time you you're with a woman, it has to be with the goal of a relationship. And I think that's stuck somewhere in his head. And, you know, sometimes you're allowed to just go out and have fun and don't beat yourself up about it. Just but be honest with the women you're talking to. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. JT, uh, we talked about Dev, by the way, and a couple weeks ago, was it Jason, who said he had outgrown his friends? Yeah, it was like two or three weeks ago or three or four weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. And our weekly email was a little bit more about that as well. If you guys aren't getting the weekly emails, go to theartofcharm.com and sign up for the transformation kit and you'll be on our weekly email stuff too. We talked about Dev, uh, who'd outgrown his friends, and JT wrote back with a kind of like a subtly brilliant suggestion. He says, continually invite them to things that you enjoy that you just know that they wouldn't. Eventually, they'll get the hint that you've changed. I, I totally understand that. I mean, if you invite two kind of schmucky douchebag, beer drinking frat guys, to the young Republican camporee with the goal of networking, they're, they're not going to go. And eventually, if you keep inviting them to things like that and you stop calling them, it'll be because you've changed, man, and then you don't have to worry about it so much. I, I really think that's kind of a funny way to do it. It's not the, it, and it's, it's not manipulative, right? You're, you're literally offering to include them on things you're still doing. I think that the conflict comes when you try to do things with them that you no longer enjoy just to maintain the friendship. And uh, Andy says, concerning the mutual friends that Dev has with his other friends that he's outgrown, I suspect that might not be a huge issue as those mutual friends likely also see these same two guys as toxic and face the same dilemma, how to say goodbye. The real friends will stick with you. And uh, Dev could talk with those friends in advance, get their temperature, or give them a heads up on his intentions. It's hard, it takes courage, but it will be worth it. So if uh, if inviting them to the camporee doesn't work out uh, and repeatedly inviting them to things that they won't want to do, you can always go the blunt route. But I, I think, honestly, people will get the hint that you've changed, and if they haven't, it, it, it doesn't really matter. I think these are two great suggestions from the AOC fanarchy out there. No, these are genius. These are genius. I can't believe we didn't think of these, but JT was totally spot on. And I think your friends might actually be grateful that you started to do this because I bet they don't want to be around them either. And you were the one that was bringing them around. And they're like, oh, man, when is he going to stop bringing these guys around? Right, Dev, you're that guy who keeps dragging the anchors and like, oh, he brought Jordan and Jason. Oh, Dev, get it through your head, man. Those guys suck. Yeah, totally. Pedro writes in, hey, Jordan, you often talk about the concept of scarcity and abundance mentality. I've been trying to find a podcast on this topic, but I decided I would just ask you. I was raised to value and take care of the things I have and never to waste food, for example. I think those principles make sense. However, they seem to leak into the general mentality and I think trigger a scarcity mindset, not only with things, but also with relations. One thing I don't want to do is create a scarcity mindset on my kids by pounding too hard on the principle of taking care of their stuff and not wasting food. I do want them to value and take care of their things, though. I understand that first I have to work on myself and my own mindset before trying to educate anyone, but I wonder how to pass down an abundance mindset to my kids without going into other extremes, which can be even more dreadful. Think of spoiled, entitled children. I know this sounds a lot like asking for parenting advice from a non-parent. I'm hoping you have access to better advice than I do. I would be happy with the understanding, the concept of scarcity and abundance, and then figuring out the parenting part myself. You said it right, Pedro. This is a good one. I'm afraid I might not be much help uh, because I don't have kids, and so I can't speak from my own experience. But I'll say, 
I think teaching people to value something and teaching value, like valuing food or money, et cetera, is different than the scarcity abundance mindset sort of do, what is it? What's the, not the duo, what's that word I'm looking for, Jason? Dichotomy. For me, uh, yeah, dichotomy. Yes, I knew it was right on the tip of my tongue. For me, I plan on. I thought the, you were going to go Yoda with "do or do not." There is no try. I was not going that way. No, I just had a brain fart. Um, for me, though, I plan on making kids eat what they get because I was raised like that, and I see value in that. Unless it's junk food, in which case, you know, leave the fries, spend money wisely, etc. But also show the kids how to create more of it because once they create more themselves they realize that the process isn't magical, difficult, or special. That's what abundance means to me. The idea that these things are also valuable might slash should happen on its own because they had to earn some of it themselves. So they realize the abundance is there, but it's just not limitless or devoid of cost or consequence. So maybe drop the scarcity abundance thing and teach value instead. And Jason, you had a hilarious, well, depending on your perspective, story of this in your own life. No, Pedro, you nailed it at the beginning. You said you were raised to value and take care of the things that you had. And, you know, when I first, I I was kicked out of my house when I was a kid and I got to go live with my dad and my dad taught me the value of money. And he taught me that by saying, we're going to go earn your allowance this week. And every Saturday and Sunday morning, we would get up and we would hit every dumpster that we could within a five mile radius, go dumpster diving and find aluminum cans, crush them, take them to the recycling center. And that was my allowance for the week. So I learned to value money because I was literally diving in trash every week just to get my allowance so I could go buy like my skateboard wheels that week or some candy when I went to the store. You know, that was really how I learned to value money because I found out how hard it was to work for it and earn it. And I think you probably don't want to have your kids dumpster diving nowadays because they might get stuck with a needle or something. But uh, I lived in a more innocent time, but yeah, you, <laughs> you just had like crazy. That's crazy parenting. I'm sorry, I won't get yeah. into that. I tell you what, though, my dad and I had so much fun doing that. It was one of the that was one of my most cherished moments with my dad was going out there and doing that. When we would find like a dumpster that somebody had dumped like a ton of cans in, we'd be out there crushing them, throwing them in the bag, and we'd be like, "Woohoo! We just made sixty seven cents. That's awesome!" Oh my gosh. Uh, well, hey, listen, man, whatever you need to do to bond with your dad, I think that's interesting. Uh, but yeah, that is extreme, but hey, it'll do it, man. So teach value instead of scarcity and abundance, right? All right. Lennon and McCartney, Jagger and Richards, Watson and Crick, AJ and Johnny. What about the perfect duo when it comes to growing your business? Well, that's you and Shopify. That's right, Johnny. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries 
Shopify removes the guesswork with built-in tools that help you create, execute, and analyze your online marketing campaigns. And sign up today for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash charm. Go to shopify.com slash charm now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash charm. Johnny, we know if you listen to the show, you are driven. In fact, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to recent Indeed survey. We have hired a lot of team members over the last 17 years. Going through endless resumes, well, that's a time sink. But you know what else is a time sink? Interviewing endless people, because they're all gonna give you the best face forward. That's why we love Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com charm. Just go to indeed.com slash charm right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash charm. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. George says, my sister, who is 20 years older than me, I'm 27, so the sister's 47, asked to borrow 3,000 bucks. I'm sure this was very hard for her to do, and of course I'd like to help her. My concern is she is atrocious with money. She's always broke. She's borrowed from our parents many times. To my knowledge, she has always paid my parents back. She needs the money to pay off some medical bills from a recent health problem, as well as the taxes on her house, which are back due. With all this going on, she still continues to smoke every day and drink all the time. She routinely drops her daughter off at my parents' house for the entire weekend so she can go to the lake and party with her significant other and their friends. I say this all because she obviously has some issues with her priorities. If I were to loan her the money, is it out of line to attach a copy of Ramit Sethi's book or another finance book like The Richest Man in Babylon? If I just give her the money, she learns nothing. But my hope is a book will teach her how to better prioritize her finances. Thanks for any help on the show. Here's my thoughts. Why isn't she borrowing the money from your parents? That's my first thought. So there's something fishy going on here. Maybe you just left out a detail that wasn't important, but... It seems like maybe they drew the line and maybe you should do the same. But I'll, I'll humor you on this one as well and say, I'm sure it was hard for her to ask her 27-year-old brother since you were born when she was 20. Uh, but something weird is going on here. I just can't shake it. She's also, yeah, she's terrible with money. You're not going to be able to teach an old dog new tricks. Jason, I mean, you had you you said it better than I could. She's She clearly... This is not going to be a priority for her. If you can spare that money, great, but don't expect it back anytime soon. You don't. You might not even know. Maybe she's. Maybe your parents are telling her she paid him back because she doesn't want. They don't want you to freeload. But maybe she's not doing that. So I would check with your parents too. 
Yeah. And if you gave her a book, the first thing she's going to do is throw it at you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, have, have the parents actually gotten any of their money back? And why don't they just sell the kid and, you know, pay off her medical bills? Ouch. You went to the sell the kid. But but seriously, though, there's something wrong here. We're not getting all the information. I think there's probably I, I don't think we're getting the full story. But no, you can't you can't force somebody to do the self-improvement thing. If she really needed help, she'd go, man, George, you're 27 and you make so much more money and you're so much more flush than me. Can you show me what you're doing and where I'm going wrong? She would have asked you that. But no, she didn't do that. She said, hey, man, can I borrow three grand? That was a difference, and that shows you her mindset versus yours. You're not going to change it. Definitely not by giving her a book that she doesn't want attached to a check. All right, this one comes from Michael. He says, good morning, Jordan. To make a long story short, I'm more well-off than most. I have monthly income from investments. I have a decent job. I have the funds to maintain my passion for music, etc. I'm basically very independent. Because of these qualities, people, especially my loved ones, seem to cite them as reasons why it's quote-unquote easy for me and not them. And they almost excuse themselves from taking the harder path because I just had it better than they did. It feels invalidating and dismissive, and it's starting to hurt. I'm wondering what your response would be to such statements and responses to motivational attempts. On one hand, I get it. I sometimes get that visceral reaction of, must be freaking great to be you, you privileged a-hole, when I hear from tremendously successful people, but I staunch that unproductive voice quickly. What's the Jordan Harbinger rebuttal to the oh-how-nice-for-you phenomenon? Well, here's a couple of things I caught in your message. You said, what would your response be to such statement and responses to motivational attempts? Are you trying to motivate your loved ones to make more money and do better? Because if so, and they're not asking you to do that, that is so obnoxious. They're, they're, they hate you for that. I know you mean well. I can tell by the way that you write, staunch that unproductive voice quickly, that you're very emotionally aware so of yourself. So when you're trying to help other people, you're thinking, hey, man, I'm, I'm solving your problem here. I'm gonna, you should just do this and this and this. They don't necessarily want to hear that unless they're asking. And even if they are asking, it still doesn't mean they want the real answer. So they're probably giving you that attitude because they're sick of hearing you try to help them out because in their mind, instead of hearing, here's how you get this handled, they're hearing, look how rich I am and how I made it and look how much you're suffering because you don't know the things that I know. And that would burn bridges really quick. Uh, so when people, and people, I do get this occasionally. You know, I'll be talking to somebody. I hang out with a lot of really cool people. But I, my family, not my immediate family, my extended family, there's a little bit of like, oh, nice thing that you got there. Where'd you get that? A lot of people are very, very proud of me and my extended family, which is no, mostly, you know, working class, middle class, whatever. Um, but there's a lot of people that aren't. And I hear those little grumblings. But I just realize that it's just jealousy and they don't hate me and it's fine. And so when people give me the, oh, how nice for you, I don't stop in my tracks and go, but I worked for all this money, damn it. I just think, whatever, who cares? You know, at the end of the day, you win at life. If you've got a happier life, you've got your things in order and they're stressed out. I'm not saying these people are, but people who act like that and have that jealousy issue all the time and let it rule them are generally a little bit unhappy. So, I mean, who cares? You don't need to prove anything to them. I don't know, Jason, what do you think? Yeah, he was a little bit kind of vague with that responses to motivational attempts line because it doesn't it's hard to tell if he was the one that's giving the motivational attempts or if they're giving demotivational attempts with the nice to be you thing. But at the end of the day, you you said it best. It's just like, you know what? You're winning, they're not. Let it fall off your back like water off a duck. 
and just keep, keep trucking along and doing your thing. And you know what? Every time that they, they give you, you know, crap for it, just go, okay, well, I am going to go home and I am going to have my decent job and my passion in music. And I'm going to be self-assured and independent and you're going to just be miserable. (laughs) Yeah. You don't have to say that though. That's just going on in your head, right? Well, maybe. Oh, depends, God. It depends Jason. on how big of an well, asshole they are. Take whose take who's opinion you want. I hope that you guys enjoyed that one. Don't forget, you can reach us, Jordan, at theartofcharm.com. I read everything, and I'd love to hear from you. More from The Art of Charm at theartofcharm.com. Now have a great weekend. Get out there and connect, and leave everyone better than you found them. Thanks for listening to The Art of Charm. Get more confidence, relationship skills, life hacks, and everything for the extraordinary man at theartofcharmpodcast.com. 